and ride with me in my foul life. So first time waterfowl hunt for both of you. Yes. Yes. Like JJ asked today, you guys, can you prefer one or the other with doing it for two days now? Ducks or geese? Canada geese, mallard ducks? I, I was. Geese was the answer this morning, but then after this afternoon, it, I'm ducks. That it's. I think that's what I prefer. That yeah. That. It's ducks for me from the start. I think ducks, just a little bit more of a challenge. And, uh, well, as far as I don't hitting know. Them? Well, I think maybe because of it being here too uh it's just such a rich goose environment here which i would probably take for granted if i wasn't here but uh i think the ducks are just a little bit pickier maybe as far as like a little finicky their ducks are you know ducks are way more i guess finicky is the right word like you can finish canada geese a lot easier in clouds than you can mallard ducks in my opinion yeah especially when you get over dry corn like that you'll finish your share of ducks in clouds like we had today but it gets dark um you have no shadows the decoys don't look vibrant and the spinning wings the mojos don't look even close to what they look like in the sunshine you guys saw for that 10 12 minutes today when that sun came out it was just like voila and that's and if we would have got a group then then they're just like and but you're right like canada geese they're gonna they're gonna finish probably a lot easier or a lot more often than mallards will on a on a cloudy overcast day like we had today yeah it seemed more like a game they were here we come no we're not here we come or the the geese are just my good friend dave stanley always taught me that and told people that over dry what ducks over water are completely different mallard ducks i'm talking about are completely different over water than they are what you guys witnessed last night and denied over dry corn yeah they work way different over water they get way more vertical and they, they work more vertical over water. Whereas you saw today, they'll like go way out and they'll make what they call false runs. And they start getting more horizontal. They'll start out high and they'll work down and you're like, oh, we're going to get them. And then all of a sudden they're like, nope, we're going to make a false run. If you guys paid attention behind us tonight, there was thousands of mallard yeah. ducks feeding in that field. And those, those live ducks were still just making false runs all the way yeah. around them. Yeah, It's almost like they're like, you know what? We don't need to eat the whole time. We're going to get some exercise. We're going to make some laps. And then we're going to gorge ourselves and then fly back right when it gets dark and get in the river. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a, it's way different as far as water versus field. But what you guys witnessed and experienced last night and tonight is the typical mallard duck with clouds. Yeah. We killed them. Yeah. But I'm telling you, if you get a day when you see those bright orange feet and those iridescent purplish green heads, it's a completely different ball game. They just, they get stupid in sunshine. Like when you go to Arkansas and you hunt the the renowned flooded timber, it's, you know, it's the most famous destination in North America for waterfowl hunting is Stuttgart, mm-hmm. Arkansas, the Grand Prairie, the flooded timber. Mm-hmm. And when, when you have clouds, it makes it 10 times. I'm not saying you can't kill them because yeah. I've done it and I've seen a lot of people have success, but when you have sunshine, look out. You know, what's that word in Wyoming they use? Katie bar the door. Is that a rancher? Is that a cowboy term? Have you heard that? I Katie bar the door. No, oh, that's no. a, come on guys. Come on. That's an old school John Wayne, Katie bar the door, but it's like sunshine makes them go nuts. Yeah. 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 So you guys are telling me that you prefer the ducks. Yeah, I think so. Even though, I mean, we were really successful with the geese. Um, I felt like my, my hopes were just like going up and down so much with the ducks today. It was like, 
a huge adrenaline rush. That's I just thought it was more exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's, you think you got them and you're like, get ready, get ready. And then boom, they just, they just, you know, they're, it's almost January. These ducks yeah. have been being hunted for a, a bit and to trick them. Like we did last night, we killed a limit last night. We killed a limit of geese this morning and you have opportunities that much that many times the odds kind of get stacked in your favor. Yeah. You know, if you didn't have that many opportunities, you might be going, well, you know, but when you see yeah. 10,000 ducks in an hour and a half, you, your odds to kill a few are there. Yeah. When you see, I don't know how many geese, but your odds to kill a four man limit, which it's four, it's, you know, with, we're hunting with wild brassica, it's four man, four bird limit per man. You got pretty good odds of yeah. killing some geese. I mean, I think, uh, you know, as far as the adrenaline rush too, now that I think about it, it was just as bad as bad this morning with the geese though, because they were, you know, we we're trying to flag them and stuff really far out to, you know, get them to come in. And I mean, it was probably just as bad, but it seemed like we had, you know, going from daylight to, you know, the middle of the afternoon with the geese, you had all day with them. You didn't have to worry about it. Whereas ducks, it's like a countdown, you know, at 4.30, it's over, and you're right right to the wire. So I, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and, you know, you're hoping you're just – there's always – as a hunter, there's always hope. Yeah. If, you don't, if you're a hunter, you understand what that means. Like, if you don't understand that, then you're not hunting. Like, right. there's always hope. Like, 10 minutes left, I'm going to hear a bugle. I got one stand left in coyote call, and the wind's been blowing all day. They've been getting downwind, picking me apart. They can't hear my call. Now, all of a sudden, it laid down, and you got that little prime, that yeah. golden hour, they call it, where the sun's going down. And you're like, this is it. I'm going to get one. Yeah. And like Tiger Woods said, you know, it was like one chip shot that on the 18th hole that would bring him back. He could have the worst round of his life and hit the perfect chip shot, uh, lay it up at 125 yards or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I can't wait to get back on the course. Yeah. And that's what those ducks do to me. It's like, not just a challenge. Like I'm going to get you tomorrow. Cause you got me today. We're literally running traffic today. We weren't on the X. Mm -hmm. We got that super grind, super feed behind us. And that's what's called running traffic and waterfowl hunting to where the X is like where they're at. You scout. They're like, Oh, they're feeding in here. Okay. Kind of like the goose feed we had this morning, mm -hmm. but you could see, even when you're on the X, you don't get them all. Mm -hmm. They're not dumb. If mm -hmm. they were, they'd be annihilated. Right. Like right. they, that's, those are fake geese. <laughs> those yeah. aren't real. Yeah. That doesn't sound like us. <laughs> I hope it does, but it probably doesn't. And then they're always full of opportunity here because of all the food, all the corn around here. Yeah. You know, so we're running traffic on those mallards tonight. They're literally lighting a quarter mile. What did you say? Half mile behind us. Yeah, half, half mile, mile maybe. Yeah, and they're and and that's where they wanted to be. Yeah, and we intercepted three or four or five good groups and finished them and got to kill some ducks. Yeah, yesterday I think our success hinged on they were just as messed up as we were with those high winds. Yeah, they were just all over the place. You know what I mean? So that that when you got dust bulls like that and 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 the dirt's blowing and you got you know just chaos going on those ducks. We 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 finished quite a few ducks yesterday too. Yeah, what um. What were your guys's expectations or what were you thinking? Like when, when we planned this hunt with high viz and, and by the way, everybody, we're talking with Nick and Jason from high viz, their headquarters are in Laramie, Wyoming. 
and they've been a partner of the Fowl Life since our first year, our inaugural year in 2008. Phil Howe, who's still with the company, great friend of mine. But these two gentlemen work. We're going to get into what they do because I want to talk about the product and the innovation and the technology of the light pipe that we, um, we've been talking about for years on the Fowl Life. I don't hunt without a high vis. I don't shoot my handgun without a high vis. Um, I don't turkey hunt without a high vis. It's, it's, it changes the game, in my opinion. But when you guys get word like, Oh, I got invited on this duck hunt. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm an elk hunter. I'm an antelope hunter. I'm a mule deer hunter. Mm-hmm. I'm a rancher, not a farmer. I got yeah. that. I got ripped today. <laughs> but what what do you guys think? Like, do you think like, oh, we might see one duck and, you know, like you're, you guys got out of the truck yesterday and got thrown into the circus. Yeah. Yeah. It was quick yesterday for sure. We we thought we were going to show up and it was going to be all right. This is this is how it works. Yeah. And walk us through everything. And it was, there's your camo. Hurry up. Get over there. It's It's time to go. And. Um, got after it. but I guess my expectation was just to learn something that that was the the big draw to me it's like we get to go out this is a huge opportunity for us to go with a pro and learn and you know lifetimes yeah. worth you know for someone if we were just going by ourselves just in a few days so yeah, you get to and with the way that Wyobraska runs their show the the possibilities are endless. Yeah. And you also like what you said, you can learn like Jason, you know, JJ laid out his decoy spread for you all today. Right? Yeah. And he said why he was doing it, what his strategy was. Yeah. And then we kill limited geese. So the guy knows what he's doing. Right. So I think that that's so, that's such a great point that you make because that's a great way for newbies or people to learn. You know, you always want to have a mentor in this game. Hunting is 10% of the population. Yeah. You follow me? Mm-hmm. 10% hunt, 10% are anti, and 80 are on the fence. 80% is like, ah, I don't understand it, whatever. You know, I went to New York City for the first time in October. There was people that have never been outside of that concrete jungle. They don't yeah. even know that there's trees in New York, let yeah. alone a goose right. or a white-tailed deer or a turkey. They have no clue. They're like, what are you doing in New York? I'm like, oh, we're killing geese up up on the St. Lawrence River. Where's that? And I'm like, north upstate new york (laughs) you know what i'm saying so mentorship is huge so if one of the points that you just made is like if you want to learn find a reputable outfitter that you can pick their brain yeah like jj randolph and wild brasky go pick their brain why are you doing that what what is this do i have to have that many decoys to be successful do i have to have a flag yeah what's a pit blind well i heard people talking about a panel blind today well what's a ground blind like there's so many questions my point is is that this this level of entrance um is intimidating Mm -hmm. to become a waterfowl hunting is very intimidating because if i told you guys today like hey you you can't kill any more hen mallards like is your eye adjusted enough to where you're like okay that's a drake boom i've already killed my two hens i'm done well you get one bonus duck you can't kill you can kill a widgeon well what if a hen widgeon comes in are are you gonna be able to tell the difference between a hen widgeon and a hen mallard right now no it's it's hard then on top of that you have when can you shoot until? When can you start shooting? What are the different species of ducks? What yeah. are like how many divers can you kill? How many canvas back can you kill? How many pintail can you? So the the level of entrance, I think I'm saying that right. There's yeah. there's a word for that, but it's very intimidating. Yeah. Well, then, learning curve. Learning curve. Yeah. yeah. And then on top of that, the investment. You see JJ's trailer, you're like, yeah. you guys asked how much <laughs> would this cost? That's, yeah, those that trailer and those decoys. And those mojos, I'm going to go out on a limb and say is a forty-five to fifty thousand dollar tab for the trailer, the decoys, and the gear that's in that trailer. Then you got all the things that he's given rolled yeah. out the red carpet, the leases, yeah, the pip yeah. lines. I mean, it's it's there for us. So it's a great point you make, Jason. Is that if you want to learn, come visit an operation like this because 
when I work with California Waterfowl or Safari Club International or any of the conservation agencies, one of their big pushes is mentorship. Yeah. Is getting new people involved. Yeah. And if we don't, I mean, there's only 1.5, 1.7 million duck hunters in the country. There's 14 million deer hunters, most of those being whitetail hunters. You know what I mean? From the Milk River, Montana, all the way down. And then mainly, most of them are east of the Mississippi. Yeah. So it's a it's a big challenge to become a consistently successful duck and goose hunter. Yeah. That's why I'm so blessed to look like, man, I get to come and hunt here. Like, you dream of hunting at Wyobraska. So you guys know, like... This is the this is the cat's meow here. This yeah. is like where people dream of being when it comes to hunting ducks and geese. Like there's Stuttgart, Arkansas. There's the Eastern Shore of Maryland, and then when you start talking about you know the 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 Bighorn River, and then you go north of there a little bit, and you get to the uh, Yellowstone River, and you run through Billings there. Mm-hmm. Like that's a great place that nobody knows about. But people know about Torrington, Wyoming. They know about J.J. Randolph and Michael yeah. Randolph and Wyobraska. This is a place where you're like, man, I get to hunt here. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's gorgeous. So when you when you kind of you get that invite, you're like, man, why are you inviting me? I don't even duck hunt. Is that kind of what the initial feeling was? <laughs> that was well, you know, it's a little like bit. We're, we're not sales. We're not. Yeah. You know, we're on the technical. We're on side the technical side, but it, it's like, yeah, we're yeah. we're in though. That let's take this opportunity for sure. So, and that's part of the cool thing of working at Hive is is we're not huge and they, they like to spread out stuff like this. So yeah. Um, take advantage when you can. Yeah. So would you say all transparency and honesty, obviously I know you guys are honest gentlemen. Do you think you will get vested in this and go get some waiters and go get a, a small decoy spread to start with and try it? Do you I'm think you'll done. take your kids yeah, out? Definitely. Yeah. I have a 16 year old son. I mean, I sitting in the blind with JJ today and his son that was shooting next to me. I can't imagine what that, how much fun that would be to see my son jump up and take a, a duck or a goose. I mean, I just think that would be awesome. So I, I definitely plan on, on doing more. You too. Yeah. 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 And I've, I've got family in the area, so I've got in this area access. Yeah. Oh, so it's, and it's, yeah, we are lucky. This is your place. And even was telling Nick driving in, you know, driven in in and out where where we've been i don't know how many times and you'll see geese and it's like i realized that there's birds on the plant and stuff but didn't realize like what it was until jj was talking about it how they were conserving this area and how special it was and all that it's like you didn't didn't had no idea and that's a great point too that you bring up jason is because you hear the term again off the beaten path you drive that highway and you might see one flock of geese, mm-hmm. but when you get out and like investigate or do like an audit of the area, it's mind blowing. Yeah. It's yeah. really mind blowing of how many, I guess just how the total number of waterfowl that live here for this time of the year, they migrate here and they don't leave. Yeah. They literally, I don't know where they, I don't know if any of them leave. Yeah. I've never seen this, an influx of birds like this that just congregate and you would think they would stage. It was negative 61 here seven days ago. Right. Negative 61 with the wind chill. I'm in Mexico. You know, birds will, these birds will fly to, to geese will, Canada geese will go as far south as Oklahoma, southeast Texas, southwest Texas. Canada geese really don't get into Mexico, but Pintel will go all the way to Laguna Madre into Mexico. You know, a yeah. lot of these birds will end up in Mexico, south Florida, south Louisiana, right on the Gulf right yeah. there. So, like, what would you be doing here in negative 61? 
That's yeah. nuts, right? So yeah. they're here. This place is so special because they don't leave once they're yeah. here. And you're always getting new birds that are transitioning and migrating in from Montana and Western North Dakota and all of those yeah. areas. So it's a pretty special area. Mm-hmm. When you when you start thinking about like culture, you guys are both long-term employees. You guys have both mm-hmm. been to, you know, you're not like newbies to high viz. Yeah. You're in the state of Wyoming, the home of Chris Ledoux, the home of the Continental Divide, the home of the Cowboys, the home of the rodeo, Cheyenne Frontier Days. I mean, I could go on and on about Wyoming and the Antelope. If you just drive I-80 through like all the way from like Cheyenne to, to Rollins, to Rock Springs, the Green River, all the way yeah. to, to get, uh, what's the town? Evanston. All the way over there. There's antelope. It's crazy. Then the mule deer here, the elk are here, predator hunting. There's some turkey hunting here. There's great waterfowl hunting here. But what, what do you guys like, position the culture of high viz now that they're a they've been here seven years they were in fort collins colorado on the front range mm-hmm. what's the culture of the place what's the what's the you know the the demeanor of the company i think uh the culture there um they've grown a lot in the last several years and i think the group of people that we have right now is probably the i mean since i've been there the absolute best at skill level wise, um, you know, when they transitioned into more of the manufacturing side of things, it was kind of a slow buildup because you have a skill level that you have to introduce over time. And I think that, um, that, that excellence in their, their skills. Now they've really caught up with their skill levels to the point now that, um, we're, we're way less afraid of new challenges at, at high viz when somebody comes to us and says, we need to do this new product. There's no question, you know? So, so do you think that the, the current state of high viz right now, I mean, obviously it's product first customer satisfaction is there obviously, but the innovation is what has built the high viz brand is it still that today to where they continue to innovate and they continue to try to push that edge and and be on the cutting edge of technology to make the shooting experience more enjoyable absolutely and it's i mean it's phil's that's his drive we don't want to be a me too we want to we want to be the ones leading the way when it comes to to new things and just better sites to get people on target just just like today it's like if you're not you're not hitting your target it's not fun anymore. And that's, you know, that's the goal is to be fast and get people on target and get it done. That that's in all the different light conditions. Like we went through today. Those are the challenges that we always face. It's, you know, how do we create something that no matter what the conditions are, you can use our sites and just trying to keep coming up with new ways to to tackle that problem. And you talk about new ways. I mean, you, there's so many different applications of the sites and I'm just talking shotguns for right now. Mm-hmm. There's so many different applications of a high vis technology, you know, in the product of that I've experienced. Um, I told you guys before that I'm a huge fan of the Magna Hunter. Mm-hmm. I like quick access. I like being able to change the color of my pipe. 
I like making sure that it, you know, like the, the, the strength of the magnetic, the magnetic force is awesome. It's sized perfect, obviously through the machining and the molding and everything that you guys do. Mm-hmm. The tolerances are there. It, it fits perfect over the ribs that we use on our Benelli shotguns. And it almost becomes like second nature to me because I become so consistently, I'm not going to say that I'm a great shotgunner, but I can kill ducks and I can kill geese. I'm a good instinctual shooter because mm-hmm. I practice so much with my high vis that it's nothing for me now to get on target and stay on target, which is the slogan of high vis. Yeah. And that's the thing about duck hunting is that it's not just about staying on one target. There's a lot of transitioning. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy for me to transition to another bird, find it, boom, and, 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 fo- you know, shoot until it's dead and follow it. Yeah. And that, that site, that, that site picture and that, that, that light type, that light pipe technology have given me over, I said, 2008, 2009. So we're going into, you know, 15, 16 years yeah. of shooting high vis. I'll show you guys commercials of me doing commercials with high vis. I was on the package That's what you're telling me. of the Madden Hunter. <laughs> yeah. You know, holding the vanilla, uh, holding the shotgun, you know, like in Phil and, and put me on the package. And it, I, be, I just love how successful the brand makes. And a lot of people, I want to go into this, guys, is a lot of people are like, you don't need that. You just shoot down the rib, you just look down the barrel. And I get that. There's, there's that old school mentality of like, my dad taught me to look down the side of a barrel. Until you experience this type of shooting, yeah. and I'm going in, I want you guys to talk about this for a second, is that I don't know how much experience that you guys, I don't know how much you have, but I think I heard you say that you don't have a lot of experience in shooting high-vis on a shotgun. On a shotgun, Mainly no. a, a, a handgun. Yeah, it's, you my know? first time was yesterday. So you guys are both yeah. first-timers. You do you concealed carry. You protect your homes with pistols. Yep. You plank with your kids and your wives. So you've done that with a handgun, yeah, yeah. But now you move into a shotgun, and that we're shooting twelve gauges on the, at these geese. We're shooting three inch Federal Black Cloud BB shot. Um, what is it like? Like, is it is it like, wow, man, this is the product that we make every day, and look what you can do with it? Was it hard to to adjust? What were you got? What was going through your head when you picked up the shotgun? I mean, I was a little bit uh, nervous because I hadn't shot one of our sights on a shotgun before. And literally when we ran to the blind yesterday, it was maybe 10 minutes after we got in with, I shot a mallard for shot. Yeah. And I mean, like that was the most validating thing for a high vis sight for me that I think I've ever experienced. Uh, I've shot handguns and some other stuff with them before, but like I said, never, never done a shotgun before. And I am admittedly not a great shotgun shooter. Um, and that, that was awesome for me. I was, I mean, cause I was a little bit nervous about working for high vis and then hunting with one of our sites. And if I wasn't able to hit anything, I mean, and it's the second that that connected, it just felt so good. So yeah, yeah and you awesome. crushed it. Yeah. It was crushed. I, I believe it was kind of coming at you, but it was a little bit right to left and it just yeah. was dead. Yeah. When you, when you're in the development stages or the manufacturing stages of these sites do you guys know do you either one of you personally have any idea what we're experiencing out in the field are you are you privy to the information that that maybe you know some of your pro staffers or ambassadors or customers you know comments that you get are you privy to like what's going on in the shotgun world and how people are experiencing success through hivis we get a decent amount of feedback yeah. with uh, <clears throat> our sales team. Yeah. 
Um, and then our customer service people, they, they also pass stuff along to us. Um, if there's issues with quality or anything like that, um, which typically we try to take care of that obviously before it gets to a customer, but, uh, we always make that right. Um, and you know, as far as the development of the sites go, um, I, I think we partner with all of our pro staff pretty well that we don't put anything out to the public before it has been tested, really tested. tested. I mean, vigorously tested. So when you say tested, I want to, I want to introduce you guys real quick before we go into the field testing portion of this. What Nick, what's your last name? Baker. Nick Baker, seven years at high vis or four, uh, four years. You're yeah. seven. Seven. Yeah. yeah. So Nick Baker, seven years and you work in molding and machining. Yep. So I'm in the tool room. Uh, a lot of our products, um, we use a, a, a process where we mold the sites together. Um, a lot of people think that it's just for uh, production value, but it's actually more for quality control. Every one of our sites comes out exactly the same. With a lot of CNC machining, there's variations and tolerances, tooling and things like that. But with our products being molded, every single one of them shoots the same, feels the same, looks the same quality is the same. It's just, it's a really repeatable process. Um, so in the tool room, um, we try to make as many of the molds for our products as possible. Um, we do a lot of that in house also for quality control purposes, if we have to make changes to them, things like that. So when you say mold, you're talking polycarbonate injection, injection molded? molds. Yes. So you, you, in Laramie, Wyoming, mm -hmm. you guys manufacture your injection molding yep. for the Hi-Viz brand. Yep. Plus, if we're talking, you know, honestly here, like y'all manufacture a lot of OEM sites for a lot of yeah. gun companies out yeah. there that, that, that sites on their pistol or their shotgun. We don't need to say any names, but very yeah. successful business sure. for you guys. But that's all being done in Laramie, Wyoming. Yeah. yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. And, shooting molds in Laramie, Wyoming. Yeah, and our our turnaround time, that's another thing for our uh, customers particularly and for us too. Um if we have a new design or something that comes up, a lot of times when you have to send it out to another mold shop, you're looking at months of lead time before you're able to get that turned around and and we typically can get that less than a month um turnaround. So get a prototype built in less yeah, than a month. Yeah. That's pretty killer. Yeah. So is it all sites? Does it have to be all sites that you guys injection mold or are you do in other parts too? Uh, I mean, Jason can talk a little bit more about that. But we <laughs> all right. So we got Jason here. Jason, yeah. last name? Webb. Jason Webb. You've been with Hi-Viz for seven years. And what's your title? My title is uh, quality control manager, um, radiation safety officer for the tritium lab. I'm one of the engineers. I do also some of the CNC programming along with Nick. So kind of a lot of different things. Do a lot of the fixturing design for all the CNC and some of the assembly stuff as well. Seven years there. Um, is it still feel like the place where you want to be? Is it a company that where you're the innovation drives you every day because you know the, the results that you're getting in a world of of gun sales are the highest they've ever been. Mm -hmm. Ammunition yeah. sales are the highest they've ever been. CCW permits are the highest they've ever been. Never been a more important time for home defense and defending our communities. Is, is, is the, are these some of the things that drive you of, hey, we're building something that is going to make you safer. It's going to make you more proficient. It's going to 
you know, give you the ability to have confidence because that's one of the number one things in firearms is yeah. confidence. Yeah. People are scared of them. People go out and shoot for the first time and plink around. They're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to go back. Yeah. Right. So is yeah. that what drives you is it's, some thoughts like that? The, the drive for me is um, the product itself, the, and making a quality product that that's the, and the, along with the innovation, but it is, um, you know, you're talking about Laramie, Wyoming. I'm from Wyoming that being able to, to do what I do and be in Laramie is unique. And it's, so there's a pride there to be able to, to stay in Wyoming, be in the gun industry, be creating these new products that everybody knows our name. Um, there's just a lot of pride in that. So that's the, the drive there. I mean, and it is to be somewhere where it's, we want to, like I said, Phil's always, it's not me too. We want something. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? Um, that that's what we're always driving for. So Mr. Soft spoken Phil, <laughs> yeah. he's the best. Yeah. <laughs> he's as cool as the other side of the pillow. Like he's this Phil, how I see he, he's the founder of high. He is the founder. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. I, I think they were in Fort Collins for, 12 years? How, how long were they in business before they left? Uh, 1996 is when they started. And then... 1996, so they left 2013 in... 2013. God, they when were they there came forever. to Laramie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He and started that's that. when they really took on the manufacturing is when they came to Laramie. So you are you guys doing 100% of every package that comes, that says Hi-Viz on it? Those, pro, those parts in there, those products are 100% built. Maybe there's a screw that might not be necessarily machined. Are you guys machining all of your parts? Not not 100%. Um, the light pipes are molded elsewhere, but when it comes to the bases, all, like, you know, the metal, mm-hmm. all of that, that's all done in Laramie. Yeah. That's all done in Laramie. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking about the bases, is that an injection mold? They, they can be either. So the, be either. The, the high runner stuff, we ju- it justifies building the mold for um the low runner stuff which we mean we want that too we want people to be able to open up our catalog and there's something for my gun there that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to sell tens of thousands of them but we still want that so those products we will just see and see those straight out of bar stock so the injection molded is being done there on different parts of the bases and everything, but the actual colorful light pipes mm-hmm. in the reds and the greens and the yellows mm-hmm. and other colors is being done elsewhere. Right. Now, is there a, is there a ideology or a, a desire to move that in house too? <clears throat> the, the volume of that isn't yeah. quite there for us. And, and Phil has been working. We have the same, guy that's been making them from the beginning down in Colorado. Um, that's got all our colors. It's got, you know, it, he, we, we work really well with them. So there really isn't a drive to, to bring. Yeah. And, and really we're not going to be able to make it better than our current supplier. And so to be fair to our customers, I mean, we've talked about moving it in house, but, um, if it's not going to make the product better than what it is, we're not going to, not going to do that. So, um, our current supplier, he's amazing at what he does with the light pipes. And, uh, so we're going to stay with what we have for now, I think. Cause you, you know, bought a site 10 years ago. We want that you order more light pipes. We want those to fit just like they did when you bought it 10 years ago. So it's it's a quality thing, the consistency of it. Yeah. So what do you guys, what's the takeaway 
from this trip? What's the takeaway to where, you know, obviously there's going to be questions when you get back to headquarters. Like, did you enjoy it? Did you learn anything? Obviously the answer is going to be, yeah, I learned some stuff. I thought it was awesome. But the takeaway of a trip like this can be life-changing. It can be, I'm going to get my kids involved. I'm going to yeah. become a waterfowl hunter. I'm mm -hmm. going to come, I'm going to book another hunt with JJ Randolph and wild brassica waterfowl. Yeah. What's the takeaway so far of, of man, I'm glad that they asked me to come on this trip. This has been amazing. Chad talks too much. The calling's annoying. What's, <laughs> what's the truth here? I think for me, uh, the next thing I want to learn how to call, like I, that's nice. You know, I, I, the shotgunning part of it and stuff. Not that I feel like I mastered that by any stretch of the imagination or like decoys or any of that stuff. But that's like the next thing that I don't know anything about, uh, is the calling part of it. And I, I think anytime that you hunt something where there's interaction between you and what you're hunting, whether it's rattling in a white tail or it's bugling for an elk or whatever, anytime you get some sort of feedback from it, I, it's just a different kind of a hunt. And when you're not just calling one animal, but you're calling, you know, a huge flock or just, you know, even three or four of them that are trying to break off. Um, I don't know. I, there's just a different experience with that. And I, I want to do more. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. And I think that, you know, you know, I got involved in duck hunting in my late twenties, mm -hmm. you know, so it's never too late. Mm -hmm. There's so much to learn. There's so much just in the, that's why I named our call company jargon. Jargon is the, the specialized vocabulary amongst a group of people. You go into a cockpit of an airplane and you listen to, to air traffic control, talk to the pilot. Yeah. You're like, what? You know, you don't talk on a baseball field like you do on a basketball court. A surgeon doesn't talk in the operating room like a professor does in an English course. You're right. Yeah. So like the, the, the specialized jargon was like, in, in waterfowl hunting, there's three different levels that I always try to talk about in jargon of you get to camp and you see your buddies and you're like, oh man, did you get the decoys ready? Oh man, you got the blind, you got the jerk string. And then the next day you're in the blind and you're like, hey, get down, cover up, pull the jerk string, shake the water, get the money, get, you know, move the, yeah. move the decoy, whatever you're doing. Nobody else understands that. Deer hunters don't talk like that. Turkey hunters, but turkey hunters speak a different language. Yeah. And so do deer hunters. Then all of a sudden you're talking to your dog, Axel, Mark dead bird i would never go jason back you yeah, know i say right. that to my dog so that's a different jargon yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you come to the third and my most favorable one is the conversation yeah. or what i call the negotiation with the wild duck or the wild goose and what you're saying nick is so dead on because you're like calling and you're watching these ducks in there and then all of a sudden my corner of my eye my peripheral over here you're like so now you're got to, now you're working two and hopefully yeah. they join up to where you can get one conversation going. But a lot of times you're having two or three different conversations with birds in the air. How cool yeah. is that? Yeah. And you're like, which one's going to break down? Which one's going to believe me? I see this one. He's posturing a little bit. He's dropped his feet a little bit. His wingtips are a little bit more curved. I'm going to, when they're going left to right. And I think I got him. I'm going to stand on that first note. Put the brakes on. Okay, those geese, when they're coming in, you want to put their brakes on. And you're doing those, those guttural moans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So to learn the vocabulary of waterfowl, it's very difficult. Like, I'm never going to sit here and go like, oh, yeah, it's cakewalk. Do it. it. It's so awesome to be able to do it. Yeah. It's way more distinct than calling whitetail deer, Rocky Mountain elk, which is cool as heck. 
mm-hmm. cow call, bugle. You, there's a lot, yeah. but the, the diversity in waterfowl language, whether you're speck hunting, snow goose hunting, diver hunting, widgeon hunting is a whistle. <laughs> Teal or they're high pitch. And then they got a whistle too. The males whistle. Then you got widgeon or a widgeon whistle. I already told you then pintail, the, the males whistle and they twirl their tongue. I can't twirl my tongue and whistle at the same time. Then the females got a high pitch quack. Yeah. Then a canvas back is, it's like a grunt whistle. And then the, the mallard drake is a, a grunt whistle. And the hens go. So there's like all this thing that if you really want to get into it, yeah. you're like, oh man, I'm, there's a lot to learn. So when I've been around waterfowl before, I mean, we have them on the ranch back in Laramie and stuff. And, but I, I never really paid any attention to them. So I find myself now, like, I can't wait to get home and watch what's going on in the sky or listening for that conversation to see, I wonder what that goose is saying, or I wonder what that duck is saying. Um, just to have a better understanding of it, you know, never to be a master of it. Yeah. But no, I, I, don't know I think it's is, great. But. I think you'll, you're going to get addicted. Yeah. Like you're going to be first off duck and goose calls offend women's ears. Yeah. Like they're going to kick you out of the house. Yeah. Your kids are going to get into it and they're going to get kicked out of the house to the garage or the man cave. Um, and then you're going to be in your truck and people are going to be like, what's he smoking over there? Like what's in his hand? And then, you know, you're going to be like, mah, mah. You're, it, it's, it's, it's how it goes. Like yeah. once you pick it up and you get that air presentation and you get your mouth cavity, right. And you get your hand right with your back pressure and you get your tongue, right. And you get that air. Like if you think about, if you think about, let me think about Mike Tyson punches you in the gut. Mm-hmm. Boom. Left hook to the gut. Remember, he used to do the right hook to the kidney, and then the uh, the guy would bend down and he uppercut him. So you take that body shot, wham, and you're out of breath. And you're trying to tell me a secret. How would that sound? If I hit you as hard as I could in the gut, and I knocked the air out of you, but you're trying to tell me a secret, how would you sound doing that? Can you emulate that? I wouldn't. I, 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 I don't know what would come out. I, yeah. Jake, Nick, I can't. Coyote house. Yeah. Turkey gobbles or a hen does her stuff. Purrs and putts and all that. Chase. Tight gut. Air's knocked out of me. I'm trying to tell a secret. A goose. Okay, so everything is with that tight, hot, pressurized air. When we were kids, we're all, you're younger. I think we're close to the same age. But remember them bike tire pumps back when we were kids? Mm -hmm. And you had the hose that went onto the nipple and you'd press down. And that pressurized air would go through that hose into the bike tube. And you would hear it. That's your diaphragm working in your stomach. So it's tight, pressurized, controlled air. And if I had a piece of Kleenex, I'd show you a drill here. I'll show you after the podcast. But there's drills you can do to make sure that you got your air presentation right to where you're not blowing it like a party horn with your cheeks. You never okay. puff your cheeks when you blow a short reed can of goose collar or a mallard duck call. You don't puff your cheeks. You don't have loose air. It's tight, pressurized air. All yeah, all from the diaphragm. It's almost like what we tried to practice today. Jason, you almost. wouldn't sing with me. Almost. But singing <laughs> and duck calling... Usually people that, that, that pick up duck calling that have a musical background, 
have an idea of that air control. Okay. When you sing in the shower, you're like, she's got a smile that it seems to me reminds me. I'm not puffing my cheeks and singing from my mouth. I'm singing from my, my gut. Yeah. You're singing from your gut, right? Singer. I'm not a good singer. I'm not trying to say I portray, I have a good voice, but singers sing from their stomach, their diaphragm, their gut. They don't sing from their throat and their mouth. Yeah. So that's the same with game calling. So to keep that in mind as you go into it, and I'll be more than happy to help you guys with calls and any, any my my partner in jargon, Chris, is an unbelievable duck calling instructor. But it, it's tough. It's hard to yeah. learn it. Yeah. But once you get it, you're just like, oh, dude, I'm manhandling these things today. It's on. <laughs> and then you got into team calling and you, you get into competition calling and now you're entering the sportsman's warehouse contest and <laughs> in, in, in Laramie or wherever the store is. And I just travel the country competing that's how i cut my teeth in this industry was duck and goose calling contests and it's addicting and i think that calling animals communicating and negotiating with wild game Mm -hmm. is the ultimate way to hunt them i truly feel that yeah long range hunting 1100 yard shot with a 7 mm get the windage i'm all of a sudden a sniper i'm gonna shoot a mule no i'm first one to say it no that ain't hunting yeah you're not in the hunt you're not in their bed. You're not in their home. You can't stalk them. I want to see you get in a riverbed and take your shoes and socks off and freaking barefoot them and sneak up on them and get them tight. Call them in. Get a turkey. I don't want to go. I don't want to shoot a turkey at 90 yards. I want to shoot yeah. a turkey at eight feet. Yeah. Right there. I want to shoot a coyote with a shotgun at 10 feet. <laughs> Triple on them. You know, when, they, when they're charging you. So uh, to each their own, if it's ethical and it's, and it's legal, hunt the way you want. Yeah. Okay. As long as you have compassion for that animal respect for the resource and you're not taking a chance of crippling that animal because you're like, Oh, I'm going to shoot an elk at 1100 yards. Oh yeah. You're going to freaking hit him in his hind end and freaking go trail him for nine hours. Okay. Just be careful when you're making those decisions. So communicating with animals and getting them to hunt you up and getting those ducks at eight feet. When we kill them, they're dead. It ain't like the dogs are running out there and they're running from them, picking up a bunch of cripples. They're dead because we get them so tight. Randolph and this whole crew here, Wild Braska. So I'm glad you guys came. It's freaking this this lifestyle and this culture and this, I don't like to call it a sport, but just, what is it? Is it a nuance? Is it an application? Like, I don't call duck hunting and goose hunting a sport. It's livelihood. It's, I guess it's a habit. I guess it's a um, hobby. I don't know what it is. I don't find it sporting, but it's it's addicting. Yeah. It's addictive. So you gotta, you're, you're going to get into it and you're going to be like, I want to get better. Yeah. Now I want to, now I want to do it on my own. Now I want to go get some ground blinds. I want to get out in the middle of a cornfield. I want to put out a decoy spread. I want to kill geese at 10 feet. Yeah. I want to trick them. I want to get the wind right. Get the light right. Get my decoy spread right. I want to scout hard. Scouting's fun as heck. Yeah. Get your binoculars, your spot and scope, your notepad, or your iPhone. You go out and take notes and knocking on doors and asking for permission or whatever it is. It's, 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 it's really cool, you know? And again, like what you said today, we'll end it by saying this ample opportunity, right? You go elk cut and you might get one shot in an yeah. elk. Yeah. <laughs> today we had some pretty good opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I love that. Duff. What do you guys think of the dogs? Duff's the yellow lab Axel. He's the black lab. They, they love it as much as you do. They're pretty cool, huh? Yeah. My guns and roses dogs. That's Nick. That's Jason. It's high viz Laramie, Wyoming. Get some of this light pipe technology. I'm looking down the barrel right down the rib. My Magna Hunter super black Eagle three left-handed Rob Roberts edition T2 choke tube in there. 
light pipe technology with the high-vis, Cerakoted, Benelli, I fill it with Federal Premium Black Cloud. Today we shot three inch BBs at the geese and then we transitioned to three inch number threes for the mallard ducks. But I love looking down that, finding that sight, getting on that bird, figuring out my lead, figuring out my squeeze, figuring out my breathing, figuring out my muzzle and keeping my muzzle moving all the way through my shot picture, my sight picture, all the way through that shooting zone, spreading that pattern out, letting those birds fly into your pattern of BBs, understanding what your shotgun does on paper before you ever take down the response, take the responsibility on of pointing this gun at a live animal. Know what this gun's capable of, of using it at 25, 35, 45 yards on paper, 36 or 30 inch circle. How many BBs are in there? What's it doing? Figure out what your choke tube, your constrictions, what your entire shooting system is doing. And like I said, we prefer the Benelli Super Black Eagle 3, Rob Roberts edition with the light pipe technology of hi the choke tube of Rob Roberts. I use a T2 when I'm decoying ducks or geese. And then that black cloud from Federal Premium, three inch BBs for the geese today, three inch number threes for the mallard ducks, and you have success. So believe in your shooting system, get confident in your shooting system, understand how to shoulder that shotgun, get your athletic stance, your butt underneath you, your legs in the right position, and be able to maneuver that shotgun through your shooting zone. And that's why we choose high-vis, because getting on target, staying on target, and not only staying on that first target, but transitioning to the second target and if you're good maybe even a third shot mm -hmm. then sometimes you have you take this thing off and you put an extended tube on here and you got nine in the tube and one in the magazine and you go for the spring depredation conservation snow goose season and now you're shooting 10 times at a flock yep. and you're going and you get 100 200 500 at a time to decoy and to do it and commit you can you can really do some damage and that's what the feds want us to do the federal government wants us to you know help manage the population so for Nick, for Jason, for Hi-Viz, I'm Chad Belling. This has been another episode of the Fat Life Podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it. Obviously, this episode was brought to you by the one and only Hi-Viz sites. Thank you, Mr. Phil Howe. Thank you, Tess Salb. Thank you to the entire crew. Thank you to Nick. Thank you to Jason. This has been an awesome two days. we got a couple days left. We'll keep you posted right here from Wild Brassica Outfitters in Torrington, Wyoming. In the meantime, listen to this song. This band is called 2AM Logic. The song is called My Fat Life. My spirit, my foul life, a simple sweet.